Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Give him praise all over the building. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. If you have your Bibles, grab them and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Amen. And when you have it, won't you say, I got it? Amen. If you don't have a Bible, we brought one to you. It's on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba. Somebody say, Abba. Father, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. I want to preach for a little while uh, using as a subject, I'm in the house. Amen. I'm in the house. I'm in the house. We're in a series uh, entitled, This Is Us, where we're talking about what it means to be a part of the family of God. How many of you were here for last week? Amen. Uh, And I believe that God wants to help us because a lot of us, Uh, Even though we love our family, we have a negative connotation of what it means to be family because we got issues and drama with the people that we related to. Okay, I guess I'm by myself. Ain't nobody going to say amen. Your mom and them ain't in here. Well, some of y'all mom and them ain't in here. A couple of y'all mama is in here. Uh, But if you could be honest, you could tell that there is some pettiness. There's some drama. There is some dysfunction in your family. And because of that, you want to learn what it means to be a part of a real and functional right-relating family. Amen? And so uh, last week we talked about the fact that God accepts us, flaws and all. And today we're going to talk about the fact that God adopts us and gives us a home to come to. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that through your word, You speak to our hearts, oh God, that we might be challenged, we might be comforted, we might be convicted. And Father, if there's somebody today in the building that does not know you, we pray that this would be the day, this would be the hour that they come to know you as Lord and as Christ. God, move all distractions out of the way. God, I pray that for every worshiper who made space for you in their hearts through worship, God, I pray that you take up residence in their heart now. That you arise, God, so that their enemies may be scattered. 
that as wickedness in their life arises, that God, you lift up a standard against it, that you protect them, that you hold them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm in the house. I'm in the house. In his book, Giovanni's Room, released in 1956, African-American author and civil rights activist James Baldwin tells the story of a young man named David who relocated from the United States to Paris, France in an attempt to get a handle on his personal demons and to also find something in Paris that had eluded him all of his life, a sense of acceptance and home. And as James Baldwin lets us know through the story, David's personal struggles have caused him to feel like an outsider wherever he's gone. And after trying to use sex as a way to dull the pain and ending up homeless on the streets of Paris, David comes to a startling and yet transformative realization that perhaps home is not a place, but rather it is an irrevocable condition. That home is not a geographical location. It's not a place that you go, but it is a condition of unchanging and unconditional acceptance. And the reality for many of us is that like David in Giovanni's room, we've tried to find home, but because of the personal demons that we face on a daily basis, we often find ourselves feeling like outsiders. We desperately desire to connect to something and to commit to something. We long to come on the inside, but our issues seem to keep us on the outside. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but is there anybody who can admit that sometimes you feel like you want to belong, but your sins make you feel like there's no place you can go? I know it's not popular to talk about sin. People don't want to hear us use that word. We rather dress it up and call them issues and struggles and problems. But the reality of our lives is that from the pulpit to the parking lot, everybody has something in their life that separates them from God. I wish somebody would be honest with me today. We got stuff in our hearts that make us feel like it is impossible for us to connect to God in a real way. And my question today is, what do you do? When you desperately want to do right, but wrong keeps chasing you down. How do you handle it? When you want to live right and wrong keeps following you. How do you do it? When, how do you do life when you try to cut off that relationship, but you find yourself texting them back before you know it? How do you live when you say, I'm going to leave that job because it's keeping me from God and I'm going to trust him to provide for me. But then they offer you a raise and you stay. And now you're in deeper bondage than you were than before you decided, than before you tried to leave the first time there are things in our lives that will separate us from God and I know it's not popular to talk about but sin in our lives will always make us feel like outsiders because sin is designed to separate us from God and to separate us from each other oh God and the only way that we can find the sense of belonging that we want to find is in the family of God but the only problem with that is it is impossible to be son 
sons of God and slaves to sin at the same time. And so instead of leaving us enslaved to our sin issues and our wicked ways, because he loves us with an unshakable love and desires to have a relationship with us and to bring us into his family, this is what God does. God takes people like you and people like me who are slaves to sin and delivers us from our bondage and then adopts us as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Okay, y'all missed it. Let me run it back for you. The truth, the truth is all of us, no matter how hard we try to hide it, have sin in our hearts. And because of that sin, we should be kept out of the father's house. But we should, but instead, oh God, not only should we be kept out of the father's house, but we should experience the father's wrath. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are rescued from the father's wrath. And not only that, we are welcome home as sons and daughters because of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, you realize that because you're a sinner, because there is sin in your heart, you don't deserve anything but a burning hell. You should die and go to hell because there are problems in your life. There are problems in your heart. You are destined for a date with the wrath of God. But instead of allowing you to experience his wrath, he allowed Jesus to come and die in your place and rescue you from the wrath of God. And I came to tell you that the same Jesus who saves us from the Father's wrath also grants us access into the Father's house. God, help me. Oh, God, the reality is we should have been forced to stay far from God because we drink too much. We lie too much. We gossip too much. We petty. We sleep around. We are self-righteous and self-absorbed. We smoke weed and we start drama and we keep up mess. We aren't as committed as to God as we should be. We think about ourselves first and the house of God second. And because of that, we should be burning in hell. But instead of kicking us to the curb, God loves us. And even though we don't deserve it, God brings us into the house. I know it's early. Do me a favor, though. Help me preach. Touch somebody and tell them, I know I don't deserve it. God, help me. Oh, God, tell them, I know I don't deserve it. But I'm in the house. God, help me. I should be in hell, but I'm in the house. Oh, God, he shouldn't have brought me out the hood, but he brought me in the house. God, help me. I shouldn't have got that degree, but I'm in the house. I don't deserve the job that I got, the car that I'm driving, the relationship I'm in, the friends that I have, the church I get to worship in. But God brought me in the house. Oh, God, when we should have been left outside, God took people like us who are slaves to sin, delivered us from our bondage. And if that weren't enough, he adopts us as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, beloved. And whether you know it or not, that is the lesson in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul, uh, the apostle, is writing a letter to a church that he covers. And he is writing to them to explain that because of Jesus, their slavery to sin is over and that they have been emancipated so that they can enjoy life as sons and daughters of God himself. God, help me. The beauty of our lives is that after saving us, God could have moved us 
from one slavery to another. He could have said, you were a slave to sin. Now you're going to be a slave to me. Get out there in the field and work. But God says, I'm not going to move you from slavery to slavery. I'm going to move you from slavery to sonship. God, help me. And he freed us. We were manumented. That means freed from slavery. And God brought us into the house. So then I'm almost through. I got three and I'm through. How does God bring us into the house? First of all, God frees us from our former dysfunction. Look at verse number four and five. He says, look, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Oh, God. God frees us from the dysfunctional relationship of sin slavery. But Paul uses an interesting word to tell us how God freed us. Paul uses the word redeem, which literally means to pay for or to purchase or to buy back. Paul lets us know that when it comes to our freedom, God didn't sneak us out. God didn't break us out like the Shawshank Redemption. When it came time to get us out of slavery, God bought us out. God help me. God paid for our release from the slavery of sin by giving the life of his own son, Jesus Christ. This is why as a believer, it should never be hard for you to give God anything. Because when it was time for God to deliver you from slavery, he gave everything for you. God help me. Is there anybody here in the building? I know. Uh, I know y'all don't want me to preach hard like this. Y'all rather me calm down and teach. But I got to preach this because I'm glad to be free. And is there anybody here that can say I'll give him anything because he gave me everything. I'll give him anything because I owe it all to him. That's why preachers shouldn't have to stand up here and preach a long time about you giving your money, about you serving in a ministry, about you getting connected to the church. Because if God is really done something on the inside of you you'll want to do it all to tell him thank you oh god 10 percent ain't enough i'll never be able to pay him i'll never be able to give him what i owe him i'll never be able to repay him for everything but the reason why i don't hold anything back from him is because he didn't hold back anything from me when god needed to give something to purchase my freedom he didn't give me the last of what he had he didn't give me the middle of what he had he didn't ask if he should deduct it from his net or from his gross but the bible says he looked at his only begotten son and said give him a, a man's suit to live in let him live a perfect life and then die on the cross and god says since i didn't penny pinch with you how dare you penny pinch with me god gave the firstborn of creation his only begotten son and that's why I can't hold back anything from him because I owe him everything. But check this out. He redeemed us from slavery. Slaves have no choice in their actions. And as slaves to the power of sin, we had no choice in our behavior. We had to give in. But when we are freed from our slavery, and adopted as sons and daughters, we now have a choice. We no longer have to fall into sin because we have a helper in the Father's house who is able to keep us from falling. God help me. Jude says it this way, now unto him who is able to do what? Keep you 
from falling, which means that the same grace that picks you up when you fall is able to keep you on your feet. God help me. It's not just reactive grace. It is proactive grace. It is grace that will keep you ah, from stumbling. And we talk a lot about grace and we, we like to talk about grace and get tattoos that say grace, but we really don't understand what grace is because grace is not simply the unmerited favor and forgiveness of God, but biblical grace is the divine empowerment and enablement of God to do the Father's will. God, help me. So grace doesn't just give you forgiveness. Grace gives you power to not need to ask for forgiveness. God, help me. Oh, God, look at somebody. I know it's touchy. It's tight. Matter of fact, uh, don't touch nobody because I don't want them to think you're in your business. Just put your hand on yourself and say, you can say no if you want to. God, help me. Oh, God, you can walk away if you want to. Every time you sin, you got a choice. Every time you cuss somebody out, you got a choice. Every time you lose your temper, sleep with somebody you're not married to, do something you ain't got no business doing, drink too much, smoke something, you got a chance to say no. You can stand up if you want it. Uh, so God frees us from our former dysfunction, but then secondly, God gives us a new set of rules. Somebody say new rules. Yeah, he says, look, verse 5, so that he might redeem those who were, somebody say were, under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Look at this. He says, you were under the law. The law that he's talking about is the Levitical law that's found in the Old Testament. It is a system of rules and regulations that you got to follow in order to be right with God. If you want to be right with God according to the law, you got to keep everything in the law in order to be right with God. That means that you got to turn back to the Old Testament and read all of those begots and shout nots and you got to keep every one of those in order to be right with God. But Paul says that when Jesus died for your sins, he delivered you from the requirement of having to keep the law and you no longer live under the rule of law but you live under the rule of grace which means that now you transition from trying hard to trusting hard. God help me. Oh God, you no longer live trying. You live trusting. I no longer have to try to keep the rules. I just have to trust that somebody already kept the rules in my place. God help me. You've got to learn now that you no longer live under the requirement to try to please God for yourself. You don't have to please God by trying to be perfect, but you please God by trusting in the fact that he has already been pleased by Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the hard part of Christianity because all of us want to feel like we've earned something because we're tired of folk throwing up in our face what we didn't do. But you got to get rid of that dysfunction and realize that God the Father ain't like your daddy. He's not like my daddy. He doesn't throw up what he's done for us in our face even when we're ungrateful and we need to be reminded. But God says if you want to please me stop trying and start trusting. God, help me. Oh, God, is there anybody here who's already in a place of trust? Because I tried to do it on my own, and I couldn't stop huh, sinning the way I was sinning. I couldn't stop texting the wrong person. I couldn't stop sleeping with the wrong person. I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop smoking. I was trying, but I didn't have strength to try. But is there anybody here who's glad that when you don't have strength to try, you can still find strength to trust? God, help me. Oh, God, find a way. 
to trust in God. As a matter of fact, in the midnight hour, when you feel like you're running out of strength and hope and the ability to do what you need to do, just remind yourself, Jesus already did it. God, help me. Oh, God, I didn't want to preach this hard. My time is almost up, but is there anybody here who can help me for just a second and say it's already done? God, help me. Oh, God, it's already handled. Oh, God, look, I, I, I called uh, uh, my assistant uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I asked her, she's sitting right here, I asked her uh, to do something a couple days before that, uh, and I texted her, and I said, did you do such and such? She texted me back, Candace, two words, it's handled. God, help me. Uh, which means that the thing that I was worried about before, God, help me, I ain't got to worry about no more, uh, because somebody with more administrative skill than me uh, has already done it in my place. Uh, is there anybody here that says, I got somebody better than Pastor Josh's assistant, somebody named Jesus, uh, that when it was time to handle the weight of keeping God's law, uh, the weight of being perfected by the law, God stepped in and Jesus said it's handled. Look at somebody and say it's handled. Uh, oh, not because I handled it though. Uh, it's handled because Jesus did it. That means that the, that the goal of my life as a believer is not to live a sinless life, but it is to live a life obedient to the will of God. And when I fall, I get up and I keep running. I don't stay there. Falling down, hear me, is not an excuse to stay on the floor. Matter of fact, you can get up whenever you want to. You ain't got to ask nobody's permission to get up, especially the person that's down on the floor with you. You can get up whenever you feel like it. Because the difference between slaves and sons is both slaves and sons fall down. But slaves are content to stay on the floor. Sons are determined to get up and walk. God, help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody here who can say, I might make some mistakes, but I got to get up and walk. I, I might fall down. God, help me. I might have some issues. I might have some pain. I might have some sin, but I'm a believer. God, help me. Is there anybody here who can say, I might have some issues, but I'm a believer. That's why I get up and go to work on Monday. Monday when Monday is kicking my butt in the morning because I'm a believer. That's why I get up and come to church at 9.04 on a Sunday morning because I'm a believer. That's why you start churches in cities like Jacksonville that already have 1,183 churches in it because you're a believer that God can do something exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. Touch somebody and say I'm a believer. So God frees us from our former dysfunction. He gives us a new set of rules. But then thirdly, and I'm in my seat, God gives us a new relationship. Somebody say new relationship. Verses 6 and 7, and I'm done. He says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit. Somebody say the spirit. Of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, listen now, he doesn't say Abba, Father. He says Abba, exclamation point, Father, exclamation point. Put a pin there, I'm going to come back to that. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. That can be son or daughter. It's huios in the Greek. It can be either masculine or feminine. Uh, he says not a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
God, I wish I had more time. Paul tells us that we are now sons and daughters of God. But the Greek word that Paul uses for son is not a word that simply means biological offspring. But it is a word that means an obedient son or a son who fully obeys the will of his father. This presents a problem for us now because it is telling us that the spiritual paternity test for God's children is obedience to the will of the father. But because we are human beings, even though we are saved, we are unable to obey God on our own. Is there anybody here who knows that to be true, that you want to do right, but you find yourself doing wrong? Even though we are sons, we are unable to give God the obedience that he requires. As a matter of fact, the only one who can ever fully obey God, uh, the Father, is the Son, Jesus Christ. So here it is. Our spirit can never please God, but Christ can never disappoint God. So to make sure that we are able to be the sons and daughters, that God requires us to be. God adopts us into his family and then replaces our spirit with the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says he gives us the spirit of the son, capital T, capital S, the son. He gives us the spirit of the son. Now, this is a play on words. This is not another spirit uh, because the spirit of the son, Antonio, is the spirit of the father, which is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the son Son is the spirit of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. So when you are saved, beloved, God desires to fill you with the spirit of his Son, Jesus Christ. This is why every believer must have a relationship with, be filled with, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Spirit that gives us the power to obey the Father. Divine adoption is a work that can only be done by the Holy Spirit which means you can fake it in your flesh but to really live this thing God help me you need the Holy Ghost God help me oh God I know we don't like to talk about it but is there anybody here who can testify I need the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost listen to me does not just come to give you spiritual gifts it does that all day every day it'll give you the power to speak in tongues it'll help you cast out devils it'll help you raise the sick or, or raise the dead and heal the sick. It'll help you work miracles. It'll give you the faith to be generous when you ain't got no money. The Holy Ghost does all of that. But the real reason why you need the Holy Ghost is because you can't obey God without the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Ghost that gives you the power to say yes to what you want to say no to and to say no to what you've been saying yes to. It is the Holy Ghost that empowers you to do this thing. Look at somebody say, I need the Holy Ghost. I got two minutes. I got to sit down. Not only only does the spirit of the son beloved then give us the power to be obedient sons and daughters but Paul says that the spirit also cries out on our behalf it cries Abba God help me somebody say Abba the word Abba is an Aramaic word for father but it means more than that it is a term of intimacy uh, something like daddy but so much deeper because Abba is used in times of intense emotion or distress. Abba from the child 
of God is literally a cry that compels God. It is a, a call for God to show up and be a father. God help me. And many of us have daddy issues because our father was not there when we needed him to be. We had father figures who failed us but God says that when you are adopted by me you get access to a new father figure that will never let you down. You have an Abba God help me which is better than a daddy which is stronger than a father. You not only have a title but you have the authority to compel God into action on your behalf. I got to quit now but when a child of God calls Abba he is literally asking God to show up and be a daddy on their behalf. So in trouble you call Abba. Daddy show up for me. God is there anybody here who can say I needed him to show up for me and he showed up. Not because he's daddy. Too many people God help me got the daddy title. You'll call your boyfriend daddy. You'll call your husband daddy. You'll call folk who don't need to be daddy daddy. But you can't call nobody Abba but God. Because nobody shows up like Abba. God help me. Nobody works it out like Abba. Nobody comes through like Abba. Is there anybody here who can say I've got an Abba that I can call. Daddy might not have showed up for me. He might have been dead. Oh but daddy God. Abba God shows up on your behalf. Touch somebody and say I got a daddy. Oh God that's why I can't put anybody in this place because I'm adopted into the family of God and I got a father that I'm able to call. Is there anybody here who can say in the time of trouble I got to call on Abba. I got to open up my mouth. I wasn't trying to go there today. I got to sit down. Is there anybody here who can say I got an Abba that I can call upon in the midnight hour when I'm losing my strength when I want to walk away when the enemy is coming in like a flood I got an Abba that I can call on is there anybody here in the building today who can say Abba come see about me Abba come pay these bills Abba fix my marriage Abba work it out in the name of Jesus is there anybody here that can say he should have kept me on the outside but Abba brought me into the house grab somebody and tell them neighbor I'm in the house I should have been on the outside but I'm in the house he should have left me outdoors but I'm in the house is there anybody here who's grateful today that the Lord brought you into his house and I will dwell in the house of the law forever surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life say it that's enough stand to your feet I have a father that I can call on. We got to move quickly. But every head bowed, every eye closed, every hand lifted.
Father, we pray now for every person in the room who needs to encounter you as Abba. For every person who's wondered where they can find home, where they can find their place. Father, we declare today that this is Abba's house. Not the pastor's house. It's not the preacher's house. But this is Abba's house. And in Abba's house, we have the ability to find our homes. And so now, oh God, I pray a blessing over each person in this house. That God, that as they leave this place, they encounter you as Abba. That they encounter you as a protector.